0: Talk shoes. Recorded live.
1: All right, welcome into NFR Live. Jason Pittman on the phone, and, and man, I could just feel me getting better at bass fishing. Just having you on the phone, Jason, it, it's just, it's coming through the phone lines man. I could feel it. So let's let's, let's hear it. What you been up to, man? You been fishing, any? Uh,
0: You know, we have, Keith, man. Look, hey, I appreciate you bringing me on, and, uh, man, I, I hope this isn't a letdown. 'Cause if you feel it, then maybe we should figure out how to bottle it up. But good news is I guess we're being re- I guess we're being recorded, so maybe on a rainy day when things aren't going good we can look back and go, Hey, remember that good time we had? So who knows. <laughs> but I can bottle it. Buddy. <laughs> <you're Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. We got some good breweries around. We're not gonna hand drop, but I'm just saying if we need to do something with it, we definitely can.
1: So, so what's but, going on? You, um, you, now, I've seen your you name a few times in the NBS. Looks like you took a few few off. Have you been fishing any other, uh, you know, out-of-state tournaments
0: or anything this past year? You,
1: you know, um,
0: I, I did uh, kind of stepped back just a little bit, had some traveling going on, uh, had some great trips up to Toledo Bend, got a house up there, and, you know, really, really spent a lot of a lot of quality trips and time up there catching some some good quality fish instead of the quantity that we have down here. So, yeah. you know, there was uh, there was there was some times. You know, I. I I wanna say I stepped back, but there was also some times that I showed up and didn't produce. So, you know, it was it was one of those I mean, Yeah, there's there's no use in sugarcoating that I got skull drugged there towards the end of the year in some of these tournaments and you know, hats off to all those guys that, that finished real strong and you know, had a had some good there was some great fishermen that finished on top in the in the bass you know, the North Shore Bass Series standings and stuff like that. So I mean you know, for for the caliber of anglers that are here, you you can't take an off day. You know, just just yeah. because I said, ah, you know, I'm not going to fish this tournament and try to make ground up on the next one. You know, it it was it didn't happen. But you know, for I guess the big picture to look at is, um, you know, although the the North Shore Bass Series plays a intricate role and accumulates points from all the divisions, we kind of focused, uh, I guess, starting around. It was probably August, uh, Trenton, my son and I really kind of, kind of started sniffing around at the, the angler of the year title for the, uh, mm-hmm. Florida parish bass anglers. And, you know, we kind of, mm-hmm. we put our head down and put a little effort into some scouting and stuff like that, caught some right breaks and things and wound up repeating yeah. as angler of the year for that. So that was, uh, Congratulations you know, that was, to
1: you guys on uh, that. I saw that.
0: Yeah, really appreciate that. Uh, you know, it's, it's special win one, um you know it was even more special to win a second one with my son so you mm-hmm. know there's there's plenty of people out there that want to uh you know spend time in the outdoors with their kids and things like that and for for me to get two back-to-back titles with a with a teenager I guess so to say which you know he he carried me I'm not going to lie there was there were several <laughs> tournaments I was really glad we were teammates so um uh, you know had a had a great year but you know, looking looking forward to to twenty seventeen for sure.
1: Yeah, I bet. And you know, fishing with your son, man, that's got to be just just the best of both worlds. You know, you're competing. He's probably thinking like you by now. You know, in, in terms of, uh, it's got to be some points where you you're thinking something and he, and he says it also, huh?
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, there's <laughs> you know, from from a quick age, um, I I I watch him sometimes and honestly think that you know, he's, he's making decisions in his mind before I can even say them, you know, he'll, we'll fish down a stretch of bank and, you know, you start getting these voices in your head or I don't want to call them demons or something when things aren't going right. And then you finally, you finally commit in your head, like, look, we're going to, we're going to make a move. And as soon as we make, as soon as I go to turn around, he's already, you know, putting his rod down and putting his life jacket on and like, Hey, are we going down to this spot? And I was like, Yeah, we sure yeah. are. So let's <laughs> let's go, buddy. <laughs> so yeah. you know, it it helps. It it definitely it definitely helps that you know he he'll be eighteen in March. So yeah, he's uh, he's getting out there on his own, and you know, even the the Bass Assassins. That, that group of guys that, you know, Chris Basie does a great job with all that, and, you know, really a, an intricate part in the the North Shore Bass Series. The, the, I guess when it was in its infancy, you know, Chris is the one that kind of spearheaded, you know, to get uh, the bass fishing side of things going, and, you know, I, I don't know how it came about with, with you and him, but, you know, that was the, I guess, the godfather of the North Shore Bass Series, in in a sense, to to, you know, what Chris was putting on, and, you know, it it fits Trenton's style a little bit. He can uh, he can go over there, and it's kind of uh it's kind of ironic. Both of us, although it is an individual tournament, both of us qualified for the classic coming up in a couple of weeks. So uh, it could get interesting if if we decide to fish against each
1: other. Oh, I would love to see that. I I would think you would too. Would do that, right?
0: Um. Well, I mean, we we both qualified as individuals to fish. So, mm-hmm. and there mm-hmm. there happens to be two boats in this boat garage, I'm <laughs> him right here. So you never know. Uh, it, it's going to kind of depend on some some schedules and uh, what he has going on, and you know, some dad. where's my stuff. boat got a
1: flat? Mm. What boat trailer got a flat? Exactly.
0: Yeah, I don't know why the batteries are dead in it. It's hard to say. It must just be the cold. I don't well, know. Well, Yeah. Yeah, let me teach you. Yeah. It's it's, it's tough love, I promise. I promise. So.
1: Good stuff. Good stuff. So what we got coming up? We got, we got Bassmaster's Classic. Where is that going to be?
0: You know the the Bassmaster's Classic is actually uh taking place this year on Lake Conroe. Over just north of Houston, and you know, for for the ones that that are listening and and have uh, can remember the Bassmaster Classic coming into the New Orleans area. I believe it was maybe ninety ninety nine, two thousand one, and then maybe two thousand three. Uh, you know, some sometimes we we've hosted about three or four down in the area, and they have a huge expo that goes along with it. Uh, you know, Tackle Show, a lot of these companies uh, release stuff at the Classic Expo and stuff like that. So, you know, they're looking at drawing, uh, I, I want to say, don't quote me, 50, 53 anglers have already have qualified for it based on last year, uh, 2016. So this, uh, you know, first place, uh, believe it's 500,000 to the winner so it'll be a full field fish Friday and Saturday on Lake Conroe they're actually driving back uh from North Houston for the weigh-in every day and weighing in at Minute Maid Park which is which is kind of a unique deal i believe they're going to utilize like the left field bleachers to wear our bleachers the stands where the Astros play baseball so uh it's it's going to be pretty extravagant and the expo is actually I believe it's the George George R Brown Convention Center, which is across the street from Minute Maid Park. So everything's mm-hmm. going to be right there, and you know, it's just looking looking for a good time. Uh, Louisiana's got a few guys in the classic. Uh, Greg Hackney, Cliff Crochet uh, slipped in there on the on one of the last opportunities to actually uh, get to fish. He he actually won the Atchafalaya Basin. Open tournament last October, so that qualified him to uh to fish the twenty seventeen classic and then uh Ryan Levine from Baton Rouge took the probably the hardest route to get there through the bass nation and you know he he basically outlasted about fifty thousand people in a span of a year and a half uh through qualifying events and all so you know well represented Louisiana's going to have a good show um you know, there are some some local guys that, that qualified for it from that area. Keith Combs, a few other guys from Texas that are gonna, you know, play a play a hand in it. And then you've in that tournament you've always got the usual suspects. You have Kevin Van Dams, you know, pe- people like that, that that'll really, you know, excel in that type of deal. But, you know, first two days it's a full field third day it gets cut to the top 25 after two days so it's uh it's really going to be an exciting event no no doubt
1: yeah yeah and uh lake conroe i've I've fished lake conroe a few times i've got some friends that that live on lake conroe so very unique 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 area especially that section with the reeds coming up it's like man it's almost like sockley fishing but man you can get in there and jig all over the place
0: it it does. It, it's going to, you know, it's not a, quite as advanced as something like in this area as far as tidal that, that people might be used to. But, you know, over there on Conroe itself, like you said, there's reeds, there's shoreline mm-hmm. structure, and then there's docks with million dollar homes. And then, you mm-hmm. know, there's ledges, there's creek channels, there's stuff like that. So it's uh, I, I look forward to it. Everything's going to be based on mother nature like normal. So it it's, I don't want to say it's up in the air, but it it could turn into a slugfest, that's for sure. Especially, you know, in the end of March when things are really getting
1: good. Mm-hmm. Jason, just for you know the listeners, um, talk about your biggest win ever and, and what, you know, the the time leading up to that and and what that means. You know, you mentioned Bass Masters Classic and the tournament payout, but I gotta think that, man, just just The the satisfaction of placing high or winning the thing can help your career so much more than the actual money. You know.
0: Absolutely, and and the thing is about that. You know, the money the money's good. Don't get me wrong, but it's what people can't take away is the trophy that'll be there forever. Um, You know, it's been it it's it's hard to. You know, Keith, right out of high school in 96, I started fishing with the Bassmaster organization through what was called back then the Invitational's, And, you know, I was one of the youngest guys out there through the the mid-90s and and late 90s. And, you know, I never really it was almost like it was too soon for me to go and try that type Mm -hmm. of stuff, but I didn't want to look back and go, man, I wish I would have tried it, you know, Mm because everybody's confident in their fishing abilities, and I I thought I was great, but I didn't didn't realize that, you know what, that's a whole other level out there. When you're going (laughs) places you've never been trying to compete against people that's been fishing that type of stuff for 10 years or 15 years, but, you know, as far as nailing one tournament down – I would venture to say in 2004, uh, I was fishing a Bassmaster Divisional, and it just so happened that year that Louisiana was the host and put it in the Atchafalaya Basin. And I spent a a substantial amount of time looking around down there and really committed myself around February for the tournament in June that any, any off day I had, any you know, two or three days, I had a a real good friend down there that still lives down there that basically I had a room in his house. I was leaving clothes down there. I was leaving boats down there and just going back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, tournament came around and, and I was very fortunate. I believe there was about 120, 130 people in the tournament, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, the first day, it was a three-day tournament, first day, I think I was sitting in like eleventh place or ninth, ninth or ninth, tenth or eleventh place, and didn't really lean on the fish. And I, I know that that's hard to that's hard to kind of explain, but you, you almost have to manage fish for three days during a tournament like this. So, you know, there was some stuff that now what do you what do you really... explain that?
1: Explain lean on the fish.
0: Well, as far as like really fishing hard for these fish, like I I basically Uh had about four areas that I could go into and I was catching them on a frog. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was June. It was 100 degrees. I mean, it was just (laughs) miserably hot. But Mm -hmm. I was catching these fish on a topwater frog. And Mm -hmm. I could could go in and catch. And in my mind, you know, it's a three-day event. You don't want to go in there and just, just whack everything that you can and put a hook on it if you only need five okay. fish for the day. Okay. So so basically what I would do, I would go into every, you know, since I had four or five spots, I could go in and I could catch two. And whenever I caught two out of there, I would just pick up and go to the next spot. Mm. And that, that way, you know, I could have I could have stayed in one area and just caught all that I could. Mm-hmm. And, and hope for the best, and may have been leading the tournament the first day, but knowing the second and third day, I may have you know caught every fish that was on a stump or something in the mm-hmm. in the spillway or in the swampy area. So I, I just, I guess you could say I was managing the the fish in a sense. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know the the first day I fished the five areas, and I caught you know one or two decent keepers out of all of them. End up ninth, I believe second day you know it kind of gave me a gauge to what everybody else was kind of looking at so the second day um i told the guy that i drew out i said look we we're gonna go in and lean on some fish because we we need to make up some ground and um you know he was fishing for for his state and i was fishing for my state but yet we were both kind of fishing for the overall title and uh, second day went in there and actually caught the biggest stringer of the tournament. I did, and my partner caught the second biggest stringer of the tournament. So, and he even told me, he said, "Man, you you you're on the right fish to win this thing. You know, you need to go win this tomorrow and and be done." And you know that that gave me some confidence to to go do what I needed to do. And you know, sure sure enough, uh, took the lead. The second day and the third day, I kept my foot on the gas and, you know, winded up winning by a couple of pounds, I believe. But, you know, that that right there on a a national standpoint Mm -hmm. was probably the biggest um, as far as the biggest win that um, I've ever been a part of on my own. Now, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I guess it may have been 2001, me and my dad, actually came in second. There was an old tournament out of Hilltop Marina that was called the St. Jude Classic, and you know, we finished second out of I think 250 boats, but won two boats, two motors, actually won the Calcutta back then, so I mean, we walked away with a substantial amount. We're not going to I know the statute of limitations has run out for the IRS, but we're still not going to mention how much was won. But um, it was one of the better financial games that we have ever had. But you know, and and then Keith, really, it's it's hard to pinpoint because all of them mean something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, last mm-hmm. year, I'm sorry, in 2015 when um, that Florida Parish Club was kind of in its infancy, and, I mean, we still had 50, 60 members in it, but, you know, me and uh, Trenton fishing that together, and actually out of, I want to say there was 15 total tournaments fished, uh, he and I were able to win seven of them. Mm
1: -hmm. And and that
0: that, yeah, it, it was just one of those, it was even hard to hard to even describe it. it it didn't just it didn't matter if it was a florida parish or a bass assassins or just a throw together tournament we were just making good decisions you know late in the year from probably august through december and and we couldn't do anything wrong it seemed like mm-hmm. but you know to share to share seven wins in any circuit on a year in a calendar year is great, and, you know, Mm -hmm. that was just, you know, even in the the North Shore Bass Series year in rankings, we finished one, two, only because mm-hmm. I believe he missed one he or missed two tournaments.
1: One. Yeah, yeah, he, he, missed,
0: he one. missed one because he was at a church function. So you know, I can't, I can't be <laughs> mad at that. Give him extra points for that, man. Yeah,
1: that's what I kind of. I
0: told him, I said, look, buddy, you were looking at the five field. friend,
1: huh? Trenton, look at the yeah. five friend on the NBS. Gotta be something church there. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's gotta be like you get double points if you miss mm-hmm. for church and then win the next one. I don't
1: know. But, I mean, and, that's uh, something we need to look know, into. <laughs> yeah
0: but but definitely man they're they're all special, no matter what and I mean, I can go back to to one of the first tournaments I ever won on the Chifuncta. It was me and my dad, and you know we didn't catch what seven or eight pounds, but that was probably in oh ninety ninety five or ninety six i think i was I was still in high school but but it kind of it gave me the confidence because I was fishing around. All those those real good guys that you know we always heard about in this area and stuff like that, and that kind of you know it kind of confidence goes a long way in fishing. I, like I don't that. I don't you know I, not just freshwater but saltwater too. I mean if you know people people can relate to it all that you know things things good things happen and they happen a lot when when everything's going good. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you get in a rut and it seems like you can't make a good decision to save your life. So, you know, it just, it's one of those, it's, it's a momentum thing and, and, you know, ride it, enjoy the moment more than anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I bet. And it works the opposite way too. When you're not confident, it seems like, oh, yeah. you know, you, you do worse.
0: Oh, so, look. you you wouldn't believe how many, how many voices are in my head some days. <laughs>
1: All right, well, let's get to some of the local scene where we're, you know, some some fun fishing, as you like to call it. Um, guys looking at man, the speckled trout has, has just robbed the, the, the spotlight, it seems, from uh, the bass fishing. But, but with this colder weather, it seems like we might get back to some more bass reports. Um, where are some places that people can go around here that you know of where they can just, just light into a big old school of marsh bass i know when this cold weather they like to group up and man you could really put a hurting on them and have a lot of fun out there if you find that right little cut or something a dead-end by you or something where they're stacked in tell us what we should be looking for with the with the colder weathers we got about a week coming with with highs of 50s lows of yeah. thirty. so we're going to be looking at some wintertime fishing here
0: Definitely, and and you hit the nail on the head with them grouping up. Uh, You know, if if somebody really, you know, was into going and wanting to catch uh, the numbers or the qual the quantity and stuff like that, I mean, you can we we can start from the east and work our way back to the Chafunta. You know, from someone in the in the Slidell area or even in the the Southern Mississippi area, you know, a marsh bass is going to do the same thing regardless of if he's in the Biloxi Marsh, if he's in uh, the Mississippi Sound Marsh, you know, with the Jordan River and all that area, and then even, you know, all all the way to the shack area. But, you know, what, what they're going to do is they're going to, those fish are going to find an area that they feel comfortable in that's got deep water, but also some water, that they can go up and feed if it does warm up uh, so basically in in my opinion I'm looking for anywhere from five to eight foot of water with some two to three foot of water nearby because as the day as the day warms up or you know or a school of shrimp grass shrimp, anything kind of move around or get a little more active, those fish are going to come up into you know, the shallow water to feed but also come back to the deeper water because they're comfortable. And and the reason for the deep water is, is just like we've had, you know, the last few days um, or just leading up to this front and into the front, that west wind, that north wind is going to blow and it's going to just push all the water out. So mm-hmm. a fish isn't – until that fish is really comfortable uh, in the – the water temperature or the water column, they're going to stay out there where they're not going to get trapped. I mean, it, it's it's kind of like us, you know, if if we're standing out in the field and the wind's blowing and there's one bale of hay out there, odds are we're going to get on the downwind side of it mm-hmm. just to block it. And, it, and it's similar to, to a bass in that sense that they're going to stay out there where it's a little safer and they know, hey, we can't go back up into this marsh pond unless it's warmer or mm-hmm. – you know, the water temperature's warming up, then we can go out there into that pond and feed or whatever. But if it turns cold or the water starts falling, we need to come back to this deeper water in this cut. So if if I was going to look, those would be the first places would be a a main bayou running towards, say, a marsh pond or something, almost like you would, you know, look for a redfish or something in the summertime when you're going to fish into that pond for that redfish, well, in between where you are in that pond is usually a, you know, a, a small bayou or a turnoff. Well, in those bends, the bend of the uh, bayou is always going to have a little bit deeper water just because of the current flow. So, you know, there's there's a lot of ifs and what if this, what if that. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, basically if if somebody just wanted to go catch some fish, they could just tie spinner bait on and just start fishing these cuts and these drains where the water's a little bit deeper from where it's coming from or where it's going to. So, and that's you know, it, it doesn't matter if that's you know the rice field canal. I mean, that's that's a prime example. We all know mm-hmm. that the rice field canal when it starts falling, those fish turn on. So, you know, there's there's a few variables here and there, but you know for for the most part a marsh bass is going to react the same way all across the marsh so if you can find that that you know 5 to 8 foot of water with some 3 to you know 2 to 3 to 4 foot close by to where they can go up and and feed and and it's almost similar to saying like a speckle trout I mean, we've yeah. been fishing the, the, the twin pipelines before, catching them in the middle of the twin pipelines down in the Delacro area, and all of a sudden it warms up and somebody throws a rattling cork in January or December, January, February up into, you know, the edge or up on a shelf or the middle of it, and all of a sudden the fish hits it. It's like, wait a minute. So, I mean, it's, it's almost the, the exact same, you know, scenario. These, these fish aren't going to starve, you know, people go out there. And <laughs> no. say, oh, they weren't they weren't biting. Say, no, no, you just probably wasn't throwing what they were wanting to eat. So, <laughs> I mean, they're not just you know. And and you hear that. You you hear a lot of the the doc talk is, oh yeah, it, it's too cold. Those those fish aren't going to bite. And that's true in a sense. But those fish aren't as active. So uh, you can still get a fish to bite. You know, whether it's a jig head or, you know, some type of of. Uh, shrimp imitation or, or something like that, a a stick bait or a you know, throwing like a, a hard stick bait or a jerk bait if if they're a little active or slowing down and throwing like a Texas rig or something like that. But you know, the, the bends of the bayous leading from a pond, you know, probably the the most well known one would probably be the situation in Bayou Lacombe. Because from Oh yeah. You know, there's there's those big ponds that drain out of Flat Point Marsh or I'm sorry, Goose not Goose Point, uh Big Branch.
1: Green, uh, big Branch.
0: Yeah. Right. So, you know, all those I'm trying to on the east side of Bayou Lacombe, if if somebody looked at a map and they see those big ponds, well, once the north wind starts draining, those ponds have to drain with that north wind so you know those are going to come out into the bay bi- into bayou lacombe itself so you could almost fish those marsh bass you know like you would a speckled trout starting to drain and just work your way in a little bit and and you see that and i mean i even see it on the on the report section in the forum on on the uh north shore fishing reports that you know a bycatch is going to be a marsh bass everybody's like oh you know call caught fifteen mm-hmm. speckletrout trout and three bass. Well, I mean yep. it's those those bass are trying to eat too. You can't, you can't <laughs> be mad at the, bass, right along trying, with the Yeah. Powder. Yeah. I mean there's there's been times, you know, especially on Bayou Lacombe on that on that lower end that, you know, within a span of thirty minutes, next thing you know, you've got the uh the marsh grand slam you know you, hmm. you look over yeah. you get to yeah. thinking. you think man i just caught a keeper redfish flounder speckled out in the bass you know in <laughs> in 30 minutes and that's you know that's so hard to explain when we go off or <laughs> a, a seminar or something and people are like man you, you live near the gulf i was like well the gulf kind of <laughs> lives by us you know yeah. because all this stuff comes in from the gulf and you know it just fascinates people and it never fails. Uh, a bass fishing seminar quickly turns to, well, look, y'all catch redfish, and you know, <laughs> once, once you open, once you open it for a question and answer, it's like, well, um, yeah, we sure do. That's another topic, and then the next question's like. Hey, were they in a top water bait? It's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> so but but and you know, that's that's the thing. And I mean I've seen I've seen several, you know, guys that post on there talk about, well, couldn't get the speckled trout biting. Uh, you know, it was slow, but we we slid Bland into the beef.
2: docks. Yeah. Yeah, we, we yeah.
0: slid into the docks at car drive and caught forty seven. So, yeah. well, you know. <laughs> but but I mean, you know, people 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 will clue in on that, and, and that's what yeah. the, the great thing about it is that, you know, it's not like on, you know, if I go to Toledo Bend or something and I'm struggling, then I'm probably going to struggle for a while. But at least down here, if somebody's like, man, I can't get the speckle trout to bite, but man, those marsh bass were biting. Ah, oh, fantastic nice down chef. here. You know, and, and that's, what, that's what so many people, you know, I don't want to say take for granted, but I mean, you know, when they're biting – I think people do take for granted that you oh, know absolutely. maybe they maybe they should start bottling those days up and saving them for a tougher day like we're gonna we're gonna do with
1: this. Absolutely, we got a guest on the line. Uh, Zach Liberto is here. Zach, welcome, welcome aboard, buddy.
2: What's up, man? Jason? how are you
0: doing, man? Oh man, doing good, doing good.
2: Mm-hmm. I got uh I got three questions for you. All right, first one, I would give you my response and see see what yours is. But uh, who's okay. your favorite to win the classic? I got uh, my top three. I got the obvious, you know, Keith Combs. I got um, Greg Hackney because I always pick him. That's one of my favorite. And then uh, either Jason Christie is the third, or maybe even Matt Lee. Who you, who you picking to be a favorite for the classic?
0: You know, and and like you like you said, Zach, the the classic being right there where it is, I'm, it's hard to go against Keith Combs uh, just because of he lives, he's lived there, he's grown up there, and he's really tough on any lake that he can go throw a crankbait on no matter what. So um, the, the obvious, I think, like you said, is, is Keith, don't get me wrong. Uh, my dark horse is Ryan Levine. Only only because, you know, there's there's never been there's only been one uh Bass Nation or Bass Federation winner of the classic and that was Brian Kirchell and then he was, you know, tragically killed in a in a plane crash like two months after he won the classic going to a sponsor event. So um that's the only I guess you could say grassroots slash amateur to ever win the classic. And Ryan's got a really good shot because in the, I believe it was the first of November, Ryan won the divisional on Lake Conroe or the national championship on Conroe to be able to go, and then you know my my third pick um, is just Kevin Van Dam on, only because he's so good at covering water and uh, this time of the year and all. But you know I'm 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 like you, Keith Combs may be the front runner, but you know, in, any of those guys, you know, they, they did great just to qualify for it. I, I would love to see, you know, my roommate when we travel Cliff Crochet. So, um, I would love to see him win it. I know he's he spent a lot of time over there before the off limits as well. And um,
2: it's, yeah, I'm a big it's fan of the Cajun exciting. baby, too. <laughs> I like the Cajun baby.
0: Um, definitely,
2: definitely. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, anytime, I don't ever bet really, but I wouldn't bet against combs in texas especially not this time of year with the big 10xd you know but um rapid fire question all right here's the next one so time of year is out the window um you get two rods with two different baits to fish in louisiana say you know chupuncta river bayula comb whatever this time of year what are two uh two baits that you have tied on this time of year to try and locate and catch some fish maybe one of them could be you know for that kicker bite what are two baits that you'd go to this time of year
0: well, I'm I'm looking at them. Yeah, no doubt. I'm I'm looking at them. I'm not sure if I want to say cuz I'm sitting in my tackle room, but uh <laughs> just be a little broad then. Yeah. No, no. There's there's no reason to be. Uh one one's a chatterbait. Uh only only because, you know, and some of the listeners may not be familiar with a chatterbait. It's basically a bladed jig. It's it's got the best of both worlds. It's it's puts off a lot of vibration. It's it's almost a hybrid between a jig and a spinnerbait, but it's got a uh, it's got like a flat uh, blade on it that I can't even really describe it. But uh, a chatterbait this time of year, for some reason, all across the South is, is just an unreal bait. While they're setting up, you know, because we're we're gonna see a spawn probably
2: early. You know, February if, if the weather. Yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah, no. I've seen if some the fish moving weather... <laughs> up. That was my it's next done. question.
2: That, <laughs> yeah. that was actually my next question too. Was I've been seeing some fish starting to move up. You know, maybe not. You know, a little, they're pre-spawn, obviously, but with this mild winter we're having, I don't think. You know, they don't. They're not sitting on a bed looking at a calendar. I mean, I, I, at the mild <laughs> winter we're having, and I guess the moon phase does have a lot to do with it too, and the water temperature. But I am starting to see some fish move up. That was the last question. Have you seen? any of that, and when do you think that's going to get going and be full swing? You
0: you know, and and like you said, there's no calendar. There's not a fish, you know, sitting down there going, oh, it's got to be the full moon of February. But, you know, and the unique thing about uh, south Louisiana is they're going to spawn in February, they're going to spawn in March, and they're going to spawn in April. They're, They're unlike a reservoir that may have like two waves of spawns, in a month's time, you know, these fish down here are just so accustomed to having a cold front come through in March and, and backing them off of the shallow water and stuff like that. I mean, I've seen, especially on the Chifunca, I've seen two – I've seen the same bed get used twice, once in February and once in April by different fish. So, wow. I mean, it's it's one of those deals that I would – Mother Nature has so much to do with it. Um, you know, we get past this little cool snap that we've got coming. Um, you know, leading us into February, and you know, we get some warm days. You know, people people like to think that in the bass fishing world that the magic number is sixty on water temperature, in which which it is. Don't get me wrong, that helps a lot. But you know, we've seen fish, we've caught frog fish in fifty degree water because it was just time like there was some there was some warm weather leading up to it so you know it's I I would venture to say you know like you said it could go early this year based on the you know the mild winter that we had that uh you know we had that one little stretch there right before Christmas that it got down into the 20s a few nights and that that almost helped them or slowed them down at least and reminded the fish like whoa hey now Hang on just a second. We're still in winter mode, so let's not uh, let's not get all swole-necked up and everything and wanting to try to uh, spawn and stuff like that so soon. But, you know, if, if I had to – I would venture to say third week, February, first week of March, it, it should be great for people just wanting to go out there and just
2: whack fish in the shallow water. Awesome. Awesome. All right, last question and I'm going to hang up and answer. I'm stealing one of Keith's questions. Probably, uh, probably going to be one of his questions. Um, you don't have to give us, you know, your number one or number two answer. But if you were going bass fishing tomorrow and looking for, you know, either quantity or quality, um, you could fish anywhere on the North Shore. Where you think it would be? Bayulecom, without without a doubt, and and yeah,
0: got only the
1: big
0: because ones in there. and and on, only because it's you know people can say what they want when Hurricane Katrina came in. It flooded that fish hatchery that they actually had, and and some Floridas did get released in there. But Bayou Combe sets up uh, with some deep water. And, and, you know, from, from the 4th Street boat launch or Main Street boat launch all the way up above 190, they've got great depths, and they've got depths on the banks itself, on those trees and stuff. Even, you know, turning south and going towards uh, Lake Pontchartrain. There are some great man-made canals that have good depths, and you know every year it doesn't it doesn't fail. There is a five to six pounder caught out there mm-hmm. during a tournament, or a big stringer. And we saw it last year. Yeah, uh, Gene got floor, it.
1: Gene got yeah, the big
0: one. Yeah, they had a six pounder that anchored like mm-hmm. almost an eighteen pound stringer, which which eighteen pounds anywhere. Is mm-hmm. just phenomenal, but to do it on a North Shore fishery is even more special. So, you know, if, if I was going tomorrow, I would, the, the two rides I would have would be that chatterbait and then probably a, a three-quarter ounce jig just with a big uh, plastic trailer just to be able to slow down and have a little bit softer fall to it. Um, and I'd launch it by Ula
2: awesome awesome all right well i'm gonna let y'all uh i'm gonna hang up and leave you all the rest of the podcast but i appreciate the info hopefully we can uh we can hook up for a trip one day soon definitely man definitely duck season's out of the
0: way the decoys are put up i can i can fish again
2: <laughs> i hear that man <laughs> i hear that we well, all take it easy all right thanks.
1: A all right uh jason what one more question um about the tournament fishing, you know, I, t- I spoke with, with Gene and man, they're very proud of that, that, uh, that not uh, that 18 pound stringer. What do you think, um, most guys go out there and, and, and do you think catching the big one, uh, kind of messes with them with their heads on, on these rivers over here, the Chifuncta, you know, Bayou Lacombe, Pearl River, or do you think you know what? What kind of game plan is the right game plan? And I don't want to get too much into your your strategy. No, but, no, you know it's, um, it's not. That's I'm just thinking. I don't, think thinking, I, don't think, I don't fish tournaments that much. I fish right. like you know two or three back then. But that was my biggest man. Just thinking, just thinking, thinking. Felt like my head was going to explode. It was like, what do I do? What do, am I falling behind? When you know what do you think right. the biggest mistake is with that guy? that that guy's people it, out there on these tournaments.
0: Is is overthink it. Overanalyze. Because as soon as that guy that I'm fishing against starts thinking or wondering why they're not catching something or wondering what I've what I'm catching, it's they're done. They're mm-hmm. they are mentally out of the game. So and from from a standpoint of you know, what kind of mentality does it take to go out and tournament fish? Everybody wants to catch a big one, don't get me wrong. But if there is a five fish limit, you better go catch five before you worry about catching a big one. Because Mm -hmm. a long time ago, you know, me and my dad used to joke about it, they can't beat you with six fish. Mm -hmm. They just need to be able to beat you with five bigger than you have. So if you go out there and secure five fish, then you you let the cards fall where they may. And you know, that's that's probably the the biggest the biggest thing I see is people getting in too big a hurry to do something. And and once once they, you know, realize, man, look, I'm just going to go fishing or you know, they may go scout for a tournament on a Sunday and go Saturday and catch five fish in every spot they stop and then the next day they stop in one of those spots and don't catch anything and the wheels just start rattling or shaking and then by the second or third stop they just come off because they they can't they can't understand what what's happening when you know theoretically the day before maybe you shouldn't have caught 30 fish but you know from from a mental from a mental standpoint i think You know, a tournament is almost sixty percent mental because once the mental aspect of it goes south, your fishing follows it. You know, to where you're not you're not paying attention to something. Next thing you know, your line's swimming off while you're fishing a worm and you set the hook and don't get a good hook on it, fish comes up and it's three pounds and it throws your bait. And that's because you had a mental lapse because you weren't necessarily paying attention because mentally you were already out of the tournament. And and that's, you know, that's, to me, that's one of the biggest issues that face tournament anglers is just, you know, I don't want to sound like the Disney movie, but you just got to let it go. Just, just, you know, go, go fish.
1: I got three little girls. Please don't even say that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, I got look. I got three. I don't want to jump there. on. I, I don't,
1: yeah. don't want to jump start that song, please.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, Finally that's like away. going. <laughs> oh no, we'll get it back. I'll be over there one day and just scream, <laughs> "Let it go," and then we'll just sing it all together. But I got but, that yeah, song. That... You want to hear it? <laughs> no, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when you time. Yeah, I, yeah. When it's bedtime, that's a better song. So, uh, But, yeah, from from that aspect tournament-wise, I think that uh, the mentality is people go up there and get too wrapped up in it. And then, you know, you see people, you see somebody that might have 10 or 12 rides on the front deck of their bass boat. That's the guy I like because he's got too many things going through his head. Because you know he's like, "Well, if they don't bite this, they're gonna bite this well man i i I don't know i I might carry twelve rods, but if I've got mm-hmm. more than three or four on the front deck with me uh we're we're You're in all. bad yeah. shape, yeah, we're in bad <laughs> shape, but you know from from that aspect i and I think that that question that's a universal question and, and you know, you you could poll ten people that's traveled the country fishing and you'd probably get ten different answers just because from from the mental aspect of it you just you don't know you that's what I think what makes it so great is is the unknown. You know, everybody wants to say, well look I'm gonna go into here and I'm gonna throw a topwater bait and I'm gonna catch I'm gonna catch ten pounds and then I'm gonna go flip a jig and try to catch a five pounder. And that sounds great until next thing you know it's twelve o'clock and you don't have but one or two fish and you're going, Maybe I shouldn't have thrown that topwater this morning and that's that's where the, the demons come in and the, the voices in your head just start rattling you and and you know absolutely tear people apart that that don't understand the, the focus aspect. I mean, even you know, prime example last uh I guess two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were fishing a club tournament on the East Pearl. And, you know, I I showed up, didn't scout, didn't do anything, and and it showed. You know, I didn't have the confidence to say, I'm going to pull in here and flip a jig and catch them. And, you know, I I think I caught one keeper at like 10 o'clock and then another keeper at 2 o'clock. So, you know, just one of those things that I had five bites all day. And and thought, you know, man, if I could get five bites and catch five fish, that I would do something in the tournament. And I sure would have. But the problem was I didn't have the confidence to stick with something and, you know, got away from it, got back to it, got back to flipping, caught one, and then went went a little further down. And, you know, just from a mental aspect, I wasn't prepared for that tournament. That and the fact that it was like 22 degrees. It was that first full weekend of January when it was frozen. Everything was frozen. So, um, you know, it was it's it's tough mentally. That's that's probably the the biggest thing. It's just the mental challenge when you're, you know, I I have issues when I hand somebody money before daylight to fish a tournament. I want I want that money back, and I think that's, that's every tournament. But I mean, that's every tournament. Fishermen, you know. I guess mindset is, Mm
1: -hmm. you know, I I
0: didn't come here not to try to win this tournament. And, and that's what, you know, a lot of them, you know, we, we joke about it, you know, like, Hey, you know, somebody will ask, Hey, are you going to fish this weekend? And you we might be like, "Ah, I don't think so. And they'll be like, well, we might fish then. What do I have to do? You know, what, what is it that I'm keeping you from showing up and fishing?
1: Mm -hmm. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't worry
0: about me. You need right. to worry about you catching fish. Don't worry about if I'm catching fish. And that's you know, that that's just that mental aspect that, that a lot of people, I think, struggle with.
1: I bet, man. I bet it's all a mental game. I don't know how you guys do it. Well, thanks a lot, Jason. Jason, I man, I appreciate all the info and then talking bass fishing and all those great stories you have, man. I really appreciate you joining. And uh, thanks so much for, for being a part, you know, of the site, pushing the website. I know you, you push it. You plug it a lot. And uh, just seeing great growth still, you know, for, for such a uh, little area of the state. Um, we're still plugging along, man, still putting three or four members into the site every day. So I don't see any end in sight as long as we can uh, get some people like you on board and helping us out fishing. I think we got a, a good future.
0: No doubt, no doubt, man. And, and hey, look, I think I, I say it for all the other fishermen that, that click on the site that you might not even know are clicking on the site, but, you know, they appreciate you and, and everything, giving them, I guess, a platform to use it and get information out and, and just be able to share, you know, stories with others. So we appreciate what all you've done and, uh, you know, stepping up and, I guess, babysitting the fishermen. I guess that's the best way to say it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Something like that. Well, we picked up a uh, picked up a sponsor for the North Shore Bass Series, uh, Bayou Country Lures. Uh We interviewed him. Earlier on in the week, so uh, North Shore Bass Series is going to be going to be getting a little bit bigger too. He's going to try to add his tournament. I think he comes down here in Manchac uh, with one of his tournaments. So, right? I, don't know if I think you know he's him got him one.
0: In, yeah, I think I think uh, I believe that's David Henley.
1: Yeah, is that David Henley? Yes,
0: I believe I believe they come in September too. So, uh, you know, he's he's got a almost a statewide circuit. Uh, I guess you could say maybe. Southeastern Louisiana type deal. So yeah, they. um yeah. It's I've heard some good things, and uh, hopefully it'll it'll grow a little bit for them. And you know, wish them the best. So that's uh that's good. You know, we're looking forward to the the year on the North Shore Bass Series for sure, man.
1: Absolutely. All right, Jason Pitt. Thank you so much, buddy. Hey. Take care. All right. Bye.